Unearthing Paranormalcy is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast where we dig into the paranormal and try to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. And I'm Chad. And we are a week out. Well, when this releases, we'll be like a little over, less than a week and a half out for Chad getting his countenance. Yep. So tonight's episode actually is going to fit in well <laughs> with that. <laughs> but before we get started, let's go ahead and hear from one of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network shows. Welcome to XV Planet. Greetings, friends, fiends, and lovers of strange and wondrous things. My name is Flood, and I am the host of XV Planets, a bi-weekly podcast of the odd and unusual. The core of XV Planets is a documentary-style exploration into paranormal investigations that I and my ever-evolving group of magical misfits conduct. We take a look at the history, the mystery, then go see it for ourselves, and then we bring that experience, and on occasion, that evidence, to your ears. Alongside the investigations, you'll find a treasure trove of other content, like interviews with authors, art historians, mediums, UFO researchers, cryptid hunters, fellow paranormal investigators, as well as deep dives into the arts, exploring topics like the killing joke frontman Jazz Coleman's magical practices, and how that propelled the band forward, and whether or not David Lynch was really conducting occult rituals through Twin Peaks The Return. So follow XV Planets today and get caught up on the journey, because I can promise you, it only gets stranger from here. I'll see you on the fifth plane. Go listen to them. They're awesome. They wouldn't be in our network if they weren't awesome. Exactly. So, Dave. Yes. What are we talking about this evening? Well, we've talked about death, ghosts, the spirit, the collective consciousness, out-of-body experiences, surgery to remove foreign and alien implants, Haunted healthcare facilities, possessions, etheric skeletons, and how Ouija boards seem to tap into something that holds the memories of the dead. But we have yet to dig into the phenomena of transplanted organs imbuing recipients with fragments or pieces of the deceased donor. In the cases we are about to dig into, it seems as if something has not only survived death, but managed to inhabit these organs and pass them on into a new person. They influenced the lives of the recipient, their decision, their orientation. It can change their likes and dislikes, and even bestow new memories. Do, do, do. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the phenomena 
of cellular memory is just now starting to be understood, and it's mostly taken as a kind of pseudoscience. Cellular memory is a theory that states the brain is not the only organ that stores memories or personality traits. It postulates that memory as a process can form in other systems in the body and can be stored in organs such as the heart. Now, this theory is not all that new to fiction writers. They were using that as plot points well into the early 1800s before transplants of anything were even considered plausible. One of the earliest accounts I could find was Maurice Renard's Le Mans d'Orlac, a story in which a pianist loses his hands and a killer's hands are transplanted in their place, possessing the pianist to kill. <laughs> I kind of started thinking maybe like the telltale heart. I know it's like his psyche is thinking that the heart is giving it away. Oh. You know, but yeah. it's like, yeah, I kind of associated with that. I mean, this has been kind of told and retold over the time. I think The Simpsons did it on a few of the Treehouse of Horrors things for Halloween. Yeah. Where I think like Homer got a new like liver or something. Like that. I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember any of the details, but I want to say I saw it on one of The Simpsons episodes. You know, Simpsons did it. So Simpsons did it. So it has to be real. Yeah. So, it predicted the future. <laughs> In our modern day, cellular memory was first studied with heart transplant recipients. And it was noted when patients would wake up from surgery, they would display changes in taste of food, opinions, cravings, and other mild personality changes. Other common quirks have been changes in attitude, temperament, vocabulary, patience levels, philosophies, taste in music, and even sexual orientation. Interesting. Most of these examples are recorded by scientists doing studies with the aid of hospital systems that forbid the transplantee to know or speak to the donor's family. Because of this, most cases lack the use of names, leaving them obscure. We will focus experience mostly on people that have been open about the strange effects they have undergone following a transplant and being involved with the studies. But before we get to that, I can offer some general statistics. In the few studies that have been conducted, only about 6% of organ transplant recipients have these kinds of symptoms. So it's not everybody who gets a new lung or a new heart that has it, but 6% of them have. Mm -hmm. hmm. Now, the most notable studies were conducted by Dr. Paul Pizal, questioning 150 heart transplant patients. And this was published in Near Death Studies magazine in 2002. Now, we've talked about this magazine before when we were doing out-of-body experiences and stuff. Sounds like a really cool magazine, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Th but the article was entitled, Changes in Heart Transplant Recipients that Parallel the Personality of Their Donors. In my research, I also came across cellular memory, meaning the memory that is held in a single cell. In the past decade, scientists have been able to wipe a cell's memory enabling the production of stem cells, often in partnership with the immune system. When the cell's memory is erased, the cell reverts back to possessing embryonic qualities. From there, it should be able to be reprogrammed or repurposed to a different type, where, say, a skin cell can become a muscle cell for a heart. Hmm. That's 
stem cell research is so interesting. And <laughs> it really is. I think it could completely change medicine as we know it if they can just be allowed to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And not all stem cells have to come from aborted babies. And that's where I think everybody freaks yeah. out because yeah. they think that that's where they all come from and that's not where they well, all come from. a lot of from. the stem cells that are being used are coming from like other animals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're erasing the memory of it so it doesn't realize it's a skin cell. It thinks it's still an embryonic cell that needs to grow and develop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been able it's, to grow like ears on mice and things like that mm-hmm. by reprogramming the stem cells. And yeah, like think of every, like if you lose an, a limb, in theory, they could grow you a whole nother arm. Yeah. Like it's pretty remarkable what the possibilities are with it. Yeah. Now that I think about it, we have talked about transplants before when we were talking about a doctor that was like transplanting limbs on people. Like, I want to say around Chicago for some Maybe. reason. Yeah. Sounds familiar. And he was committing like, <laughs> all kinds of fraud yeah. and stuff. Maybe he wasn't doing that, but he was saying he was doing that to yeah. get money from patients' families or something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. But there is also some theories about how the first type of cellular memory I discussed might be possible after the discovery that neuropeptides exist not just in the brain, but in all tissues of the body. These neuropeptides are like a communication system, a way for the brain to speak to other bodily organs and the organs to relay information back. I could not find out if these circuits could store memory or if they just relayed it. But on a side note, due to what we will be discussing later, most of these peptides that are not in the brain are located within the heart. Which is really interesting to me. Because, let's say, experience a loss. You know, we just did it with Eli. You physically feel pain in your chest and in your heart. And this is emotional pain. It should all be in your head. But you feel it in your chest. Yeah, yeah, you do. So it's like the heart is actually feeling the emotions that the brain is producing. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely communicating somehow. And you've heard of people who have died from broken hearts. Yeah. You know, that happened to our grandfather. He, he died four weeks after our grandmother. And that was the thing. He died of a broken heart. You know? Um, and I think back to on the Uvalde shooting. The husband of the teacher who died, who died of a heart attack the very next day. Yeah. He died of a broken heart. Like, Didn't Carrie Fisher's wife die of a heart attack right after she passed? No, Carrie Fisher died of a heart attack right after her... Her mom died of a heart attack right after she passed. That's that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. 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 So, like... I, yeah. I can see yeah. how these organs store memories and they store yeah. emotions and they, they hold on to these things. Now, the, before the discovery of these neuropeptides, they just kind of assumed it went along like the circular system or the nervous system, yeah. but they weren't really sure how. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe, 
I didn't dig super far into papers. I mean, maybe they have already discovered that there is memory stored in these organs. It's not just relaying stuff back and forth. Also just dawned on me, since I suffer from anxiety and I have some childhood traumas, whenever I get triggered on something like that, Mm -hmm. it starts in my chest. Yeah. It's like whenever there's a memory or something like that that pops up, it starts out with a tightness in my chest instantly. And then it moves to my whole body. But interesting. I've also heard that they don't really know where the mind, like our concept of mind, we don't really know where it's located. Mm-hmm. Whether it's located in our brains or if it's located in like our solar plexus or any other nerve centers throughout our body. Um, the Egyptians, I want to say, thought the mind was in the heart. Yeah, which would be why they would weigh the heart against the feather. Yeah. Because that was the personality, that was the yeah. memory system. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, heck, it could even just be in a cloud that floats above our head we don't <laughs> see. I mean, who knows? We don't realize we actually have a green diamond above our head. Like, like in the Sims? Sims. Yeah. <laughs> Because they have seen people that have had, like, injuries to their frontal cortex remember things they shouldn't remember. Mm -hmm. So it's not stored in the parts of the brain we think that memories are stored and things. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it's all, like, who knows? It's all theory, and they really don't know, I don't think. Yeah. Interesting. That's why I thought this would be a great topic. Because it's kind of in that realm of the known and the unknown and the speculative and the theoretical. Well, let's think of the body. (laughs) (laughs) Let's think of the body like a computer. If we base this, like the brain is like the CPU. Right? Yeah. And then it would be like the, um, the neurosystem would be kind of like your processor and, um, your motherboard that sends everything to where it needs to go. Yeah. So in theory, you would think that the RAM would be stored somewhere else too. Right. Yeah. And the, and the, not just the RAM, mm-hmm. but also like the memory, like the hard drive, yeah. the hard drive. Yeah. Interesting. So our random access memory is in our butt and our <laughs> hard drive is in our heart. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. <laughs> That sounds Freudian. (laughs) (laughs) It does. (laughs) And then there's like the whole... It's in your penis and in your vagina. And then like the collective consciousness is like us hooking up to the internet, like through Wi-Fi. Yeah. (laughs) Jacking on. (laughs) 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 All right. One of the most stunning examples of cellular memory was found in an eight-year-old girl that received the heart of a 10-year-old girl. After the successful surgery, the recipient was plagued with vivid nightmares about a girl being murdered by a single attacker. A psychiatrist determined these nightmares were so vivid that they were probably genuine memories. He went to work detailing them as well as he could. It was through describing the events of the encounters in her violent nightmares that police were able to apprehend, arrest, and convict the person responsible for murdering the 10-year-old organ donor. Holy fudge. And I don't have any names for this. Damn. Because... That's amazing. There's a lot of HIPAA stuff and... Yeah, but... (coughs) Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. 
So that's the most stunning thing. <laughs> I figured yeah. I'd start with that. I'm stunned. And Everything's going to be a disappointment. <laughs> it's going to start that way, and then it's going to kind of slowly build, I think. <laughs> that's crazy. That's like... That's amazing to me, honestly. Yeah. They reminded me a lot of the past lives one, yeah. where people would recall memories of past lives that would lead to like the arrest and conviction of murderers and things. Well, it kind of, well, that, that I was sitting there thinking, this reminds me of an episode we covered. We, yeah, that's going to be it, the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, is that those memories are there from the past life. Well, I mean, kind of, especially with a heart transplant, you are going to be dead for a little bit. Yeah. During a heart transplant. So is it, here's, here, hear me out, is it that it's memories that were stored in the heart or in that moment when she's dead, her spirit connects with the spirit of the donor and the information is shared then or she keeps that connection with the donor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's so many ways to think of this. In 1988, 47-year-old Claire Sylvia became the first woman in New England to receive a full heart and lung transplant. After the operation, she found her taste had changed dramatically. She began to crave beer, which she had never drunk before, and a whole slew of foods that she had never eaten or cared for before the operation. In particular, she had an overwhelming craving and desire to eat McDonald's chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggies! <laughs> which she disdained before. But that's not all. She also experienced a series of strange dreams through her recovery, in which she had visions of a young man she called Tim L. These dreams were so vivid and realistic, she began to suspect that Tim L was perhaps the organ donor. According to Claire Sylvia, who wrote the book, A Change of Heart, after learning the actual identity of her donor, her organ donor was an 18-year-old motorcycle crash victim named Timothy Lamarande of Saco, Maine, Saco, Maine, who at the time of his death was returning home from McDonald's with a bag of chicken nuggets. Oh, he never got to have his he chicken nuggets. He never nuggies. got his nuggies. And then his heart and lung wanted them for the rest of her I life. I want my chicken nuggies! <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Da 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 da. I'm loving it. That's interesting. New food cravings are a very common theme in many of these cases which turns out to be something the donor liked, such as the 26-year-old from Battersea, London, who received a new kidney and developed a love of beer, something he had loathed before. Heart Probably not the best thing to drink <laughs> after a kidney transplant, <laughs> but, you know, what else? <laughs> Heart transplant patient David Waters developed an irrational craving for burger rings which his donor apparently loved. There is a, also a doctor who hated avocados, then loved them after receiving an organ donation. Whoever winds up with my organs might have an insatiable desire for sunflower <laughs> seeds. Very true. If you can go through like pounds of sunflower yeah. seeds a day. Well, what would your recipient crave, Amy? 
chocolate. Chocolate. Cake. Cake. <laughs> any kind of candy. Mm. Mm. They just have a sweet tooth. That would just be the thing. They just I'd probably go to some like vegan too and they'd be like, Oh, I want a steak. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chad? I'm trying to think what I crave all the time. My cravings change a lot, but usually it's something sweet. Mine would probably be like a Dr. Pepper or yeah, like a soda that. Yeah. Because I can't get over. Uh, I see it now. It's somebody from the South who for their life loved sweet tea. And uh. then they they get my heart and they despise sweet tea to the point <laughs> that they want to throw it at people when they give it to them by accident. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of an obsession of yours. <laughs> yeah, so if I order an unsweet tea, that means no sugar. And I specify that, too. I'll be like, unsweet tea, no sugar. And still, ten, yeah, five out of ten times, I'm going to get sweet tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I promise we're not killing the dog in the background. She's just in her box with in our daughter's room and she's not happy. She's about to get released though. Release look cracked. So you might hear bells and little claws on the floor. She's a cute little puppy though. Yeah, so if you hear a bell and probably a yap here and there as she barks at the cat, that is our puppy that we've had for two months now. Yeah. It's our daughter's puppy. Kylie, she's been on the podcast. Yeah. We call her fluffball. Yeah. She's just a big fluffball. It is also common for people who have organ transplants to develop new interests, hobbies, affinities, and even acquire new skills. Used kidney recipient, 45-year-old Sharon Coughlin, found out that her food taste had changed, as well as her interest in music, books, and movies. She said, I didn't just get my donor's kidney. I also got his taste for food and his love of reading and other habits. I'm living proof that when you donate your organs, part of your personality also lives on in that other person. As I recovered, I realized that I inherited some of my donor's likes and dislikes. The chick flicks and books I had loved, I suddenly couldn't stand. Instead, I began reading war books and historic biographies. My interests seemed more manly. Prior to surgery, I loved seafood. Now the thought of it makes me ill. Instead, I crave brown bread, mustard, and cheese. <laughs> it was like my taste buds have been swapped over as well. I went online and discovered cellular, cellular memory. Some doctors think it happens. Others don't. I'm proof that it does. That would be another thing. If you like seafood and you got my... Yeah, you wouldn't like seafood anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. My thing is, I watch my heart or kidney or whatever, you know, going to like a baker, someone who loves cake and you cupcakes, and I hate <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. You'll be like, oh, I can't even eat what I make anymore. <laughs> so she's not alone. A 47 year old foundry worker that received the heart of a 17 year old man became fond of and developed a keen interest in classical music, a genre he never cared for before. His donor was also a fan of it and was a violin player before dying in a car accident. But in other accounts I read, the 17-year-old was killed in a drive-by shooting while clutching his violin case. Hmm. Either way, I mean, it's still in the yeah. music and stuff. Yeah. Now, I will say, as I get older, things like my taste and things change. 
Mm-hmm. But not so significant. Like, yeah. you know, now I do like classical music from time to time. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit and rock out to Beethoven all day long. But sometimes I want to just hear classical music. It calms me down. I like it. But let's say all of a sudden I get a heart transplant. I'm just all about screamo. You would know that that wasn't me. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I can't stand that. Yeah. But if all of a sudden I got a transplant and all of it, I can't get enough. (laughs) You're like, hey, Dave, have you heard of the genre of deathcore metal? (laughs) I'd be like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Come view my music collection. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to each their own. If you like it, you like it. It just, to me, it's, I like things that I can dance or sing to, and yeah. I can't really dance and scream, sing to most screamo stuff. Some of it is okay, but I don't think there's any of it in my um, Unearthing Amy playlist that is on Spotify. Mine does. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure mine does. But you might hear some Billy Ray Cyrus followed up by some Dr. Dre filed by some New Kids on the Block followed by... <laughs> he might think I'm crazy when you listen to mine, but you know. Oh yeah, mine's mine's off the wall like that too. <laughs> Be like ACDC and then like a ballad from like Dame the Bard. Oh, <laughs> <And then laughs> uh, another interesting person is Sean Bird, who had never in his life cooked before. After his heart transplant surgery, he found himself uncommonly good at it and enjoyed cooking for himself and his family from then on. That's pretty cool too. I like cooking. I just don't do it very often. Yeah. I don't really have a cooking kitchen. Yeah. I have a microwaving kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> 1,200 square foot house with a kitchen of a 900 square foot apartment. <laughs> well, you're a good cook, too. I like to do it. I enjoy cooking. It's just really hard to cook when you don't have a counter. <laughs> oh, trust me. I know. <laughs> I love cooking, and it's hard to cook for one person, and it's hard to cook, yeah, when you have no space. Yeah. Like, I specifically went and bought a chopping board that I could put over the sink so I could have a place to chop vegetables because there was, like, there's no counter space. Yeah. Bill Wall, a 64-year-old businessman, had always been overweight and out of shape with no interest in sports or the outdoors. After receiving a heart transplant, he became an avid athlete, became fitness-obsessed, and competed in various competitions, becoming a medal-winning swimmer cyclist and runner well into his 70s his donor had also been an avid athlete and like the singer Sade, or maybe it's sade can you guess who else became obsessed with this singer dave <laughs> oh, oh, oh obviously not dave no. know how to say name. <laughs> my, <laughs> you get my heart you're gonna become addicted to like binge watching netflix and uh <laughs> crochet i don't know (laughs) weird spooky stuff (laughs) i'm not much for sports but i do love the outdoors i do a lot of outdoor activities i love the outdoors when the weather is 70 degrees 70 (laughs) to 60 to 70 degrees i like to be outside above or below that i'm kind of like eh (laughs) <laughs> what? As long as it's above 40 and below 90, I'm happy. Yeah, 
I'm to the point now that anything below like a hundred is really nice. So <laughs> I can go to anywhere between like probably 25 degrees. I don't like it below that and above like probably 105. I don't like to sweat, which is probably why I don't work out too. And I do not like it when it hurts to breathe. And that's usually where I'm feeling around 30 degrees is that it just it hurts to breathe. Yeah. It's so cold. Yeah, it got to be pretty extreme for me to be like, I don't want to be out here right now. <laughs> Depending on what I'm doing, of course. And not all of these obsessions are that great either. A 47-year-old transplant patient claimed that his new heart was responsible for a sudden onset of eating disorders. A heart which came from a 14-year-old girl. Hmm, that one's interesting too. One recipient was even documented that after receiving a new heart from a straight person, the 27-year-old lesbian soon began dating and got married to a man. Mm. Mm. I'm a firm believer that sexuality is fluid. Yeah, I think it just changes. So it just, I think that that can just change throughout your life. I mean, yes, there are some people that they're just going to be gay or they're just going to be straight. But I think... For a lot of people, it it's fluid and it changes. I mean, we know lots of lesbians who have married men. Yeah. And we know lots of... I or I know lots of people who married men, got divorced, and became lesbian. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah. It's... I mean, it's fluid. So, I mean, I don't... I can't I mean, say that that was from that. But at the same time, if she believes it was, then... Try. I mean, I don't want to label anybody, but I think everybody's kind of on the spectrum of pansexuality. Yeah. You're more attracted to the person rather than the gender. qualities. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I, yeah. Mm. I don't know. Now, this next experience is about Simon Cooper from Enfield, Middlesex in England. Ooh, did he live in a house that was haunted and have Legos thrown out of it? No, but he lived in that same town. <laughs> <laughs> and at 29 years old, when he received a liver transplant due to cystic fibrosis after years of waiting on the donor list, the donor turned out to be an 18-year-old girl, and the operation was very successful. In the days after his recovery, Simon found that he would freely and without thinking use copious foul language <laughs> and swearing when he talked, something that was quite against his character. He said of this... My donor might get that too, or my, my recipient <clears throat> might get that too. I'd never sworn before. My mama Angela had drilled that importance of good manners into me. So she was shocked. And so was I. She assumed it was the painkillers, but a few weeks later I was still swearing every other word. Mom said she'd read the transplanted organs could change your personality. I think it's happened to me. And 13 years later, I still can't control my tongue. Luckily, it hasn't affected my job prospects or my love life. But it does make me wonder about the girl who saved my life. Sounds to me like she was badass. (laughs) Sounds like it took my mic. I wonder if this quote before was like, I'd never fucking swore before. Yeah. <laughs> this is fucking... Bu- <laughs> Me more Angela. <laughs> the bloody hunt. hunt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you pulled that one out of her hand. Wow. Holder, he's from England. That's a very common yeah. word over yeah. there. Yeah. I think they're bang on. <laughs> this happened to me. I think it's a load of bollocks. 
All right. <laughs> a 47-year-old man that received a heart from a 14-year-old girl donor that had died in a gymnastics incident experienced a dramatic change in personality. What was once a reserved older man became overcome with youthful exuberance and would break out in awkward giggles, something the donor was prone to doing. The man's brother said of him, He acts like a kid even when he's bowling. He yells and jumps around like a fool. He got his weird laugh now. It's a girl's laugh, and when I tell him, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> I think that one's kind of endearing, honestly. I like. I think so. Like, oh, he got giggly. Sometimes some good giggles are good. Yeah, I think. What's so. really sad is how young all these donors are, though. Oh well, let me tell you about five-year-old Daryl that received a heart from a three-year-old that died falling out of a window. Ugh. Daryl kept talking about how he kept seeing a younger boy in his dreams he called Timmy. Timmy said he had been hurt real bad in a fall. At the time, the family knew nothing about the donor and soon found out more information, which turned out to be very spooky. Daryl's father said, Daryl never knew the name of his donor or his age. We didn't know either until recently. We just learned that the boy who died had fallen from a window. We didn't even know his age until now. Daryl had it about right. Probably just lucky guess or something, but he got it right. What is spooky, though, is that not only has he got the age right and some idea how he died, he got his name right. The boy's name was Thomas, and for some reason his immediate family called him Tim. Well, they did that because Tim is short for Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess no, Tim is short for Timothy. Never mind. Timmy. Tom is short for Thomas. Thomas is short for Thomas, yeah. Interesting. Well, that one too, I can kind of see that being a um, spirit visitation too, though. Yeah. Daryl used to like the Power Rangers before the surgery, but became terrified of them after. Timmy had apparently fallen from the window while he was reaching for a Power Rangers action figure up on a high shelf. Oh, man. I understand that. Uh, Yours was a bowl. Yeah, that was a... <laughs> Whoever got mine would just be terrified of glass bowls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mine would never ride on a jet ski again. <laughs> the French actress Charlotte Valandre, who wrote in her book, Love in the Blood, that after a heart transplant following an HIV-positive result, that she began to experience intense feelings of deja vu. This happened often when she visited certain places, especially in India. She also knew details of places she had never been and had relentless nightmares of being in a car crash. This would all prove to be consistent with her donor's life experiences and death. Hmm. Next is a case involving a 56-year-old college professor that received the heart of a policeman. While talking with the wife of the donor, who he had previously known nothing about, the professor mentioned that he often had his thoughts intruded upon by a vision of a white flash. These were persistent and often kept him from sleeping. The flashes were usually accompanied by intense burning sensations on his face, something he had explained away as side effects from the medication. 
The wife of the donor would explain that her husband, the donor, had died from a gunshot wound to the face. His last memories would have been the muzzle flash and the sensation of heat. Oh, wow. Isn't that wild? (laughs) So even, I guess even if these organs, if they can't store memory for a long time, they can at least store it long enough to send it to something with those neuropeptides. So once it gets connected back to a system where it can throw out information, that's the information it's trying to send, possibly. Okay, there is a movie. I cannot think of the name of the movie. It could be a TV show, but I think it's a movie. Where they invent a pair of goggles that record the person's what the person sees at the time of death. Wild Wild West. I was thinking that's what it was, but I couldn't remember. That's kind of what I'm envisioning with like that one. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Where it's just he's seen those last moments before death. And that also goes back to the guy that died with the chicken nuggets. That was something he was craving Mm -hmm. at the time. See, I wanted to say Wild Wild West, but then I couldn't associate it where it was in the movie. And I was like, (laughs) I know it existed. And I was thinking Wild Wild West, but I just couldn't. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm envisioning there is those. Just that, you know how people say like when you die, your life flashes before your eyes. Yeah. That type of thing. And maybe that's what it is. Just that memory, that last memory is just residual in those. That more or the organ memory or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or even that last one we talked about where he had the fear of the Power Rangers because that, that person associated that with extreme pain from the fall. Yeah. The donor did. Stuff has you really thinking. Huh? It does. <laughs> so another case is of a 19-year-old woman who experienced not only change in taste and hobbies after a heart transplant, but also went from being gay to straight. She also had recurring episodes in which she felt a strong impact in her chest region and upper body. Later, she would discover her organ donor was a straight woman that died in a car accident, during which her body was thrown with lethal force against the steering column. The woman said of her predicament, When I got my new heart, two things happened to me. First, most every night, and still sometimes now, I actually feel the accident my donor had. I had, I can feel the impact in my chest. It slams into me, but my doctor said everything looks fine. Also, I hate meat now. I can't stand it. I was McDonald's biggest moneymaker, and now meat makes me throw up. Actually, whenever I smell it, my heart starts to race, and that's not the big deal. My doctor said that it was just due to medicines, but I, I couldn't tell him. But what really bothers me is I'm engaged to be married now. He's a great guy, and we love each other. The sex is terrific. The problem is I'm gay. At least I thought I was. After my transplant, I'm not. I don't think any. I don't think anyway. I'm s- sort of semi or confused gay. Women still seem attractive to me, but my boyfriend turns me on. Women don't. I, I have absolutely no desire to be with a woman. I think I got a gender transplant. Again, I that part it's fluid, but it, no. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely associating the two together. Yeah. It might have happened around the same time, and that's just what she associates. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would be my luck, though. I would, I would totally get a vegan's heart and then hate meat and then. Yeah, you know, I would be upset at first, I'd but then I'd be it. like, eh, "It's gonna be healthier." Yeah, better lifestyle, better for the environment. Only the issue but. is, then you wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the good news is you have a podcast. You can everybody. Know. I'm vegan. No. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. I like meat, which yeah. is really good considering that I'm doing keto again, and that's pretty much the only thing I can have. So. Yeah. The only thing you're not limited on. Yeah. Which is awesome, which means we're always going to have bacon in the house now. <laughs> Although I'm really burnt out on bacon. Oh, Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, there's there's tons of others. That was just mostly from that study I found in the magazine that was done, I mean, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, there's tons of them even up to today. I mean, it seems so common. Yeah. I don't... I know people who have had transplants, but I... Never talk to them about... I mean, I don't know them well enough to sit and talk to them about if they've experienced anything. Maybe they'll listen and let us know. Maybe. Well, I'm not getting an organ transplant, but I'll let you know if I start craving to graze on grass or... Let's say chew the cud. <laughs> yeah. Start chewing the cud. <laughs> oh, my God. He just sit there all of a sudden. <laughs> Chad, what are you eating? Ah, just, just yesterday's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> just some cud. Yeah. <laughs> I say, you guys got any uh, cow pellets? <laughs> Craving one right now. Salt cube, maybe. You know how, like in the the what is it? The Western movies, the cowboy always has like the blade of wheat <laughs> in his teeth. <laughs> Chad just starts randomly humping everything, anything that looks like a cow. <laughs> see, like, we take him to a ra- er, a rodeo bar and he sees that mechanical bull and he's like mmm that looks good <laughs> I want to take a ride <laughs> you start having now, memories of, of the butcher I'm house this in a butcher house <laughs> now I want to reiterate that this is about 6% of people because a lot of people uh, like cite this as reasons they don't want to be like organ donors because a part of them might live on or something like that That'd be cool. Well, I'm an organ donor. I am yeah. too. And I think it's an amazing gift that you can give somebody. Yeah, I think so. I don't think I have any organs that would be like super say, beneficial. I don't think I have any healthy organs for anyone. But, but my eyes see pretty well with glasses. Now, that's <laughs> another uncommon myth that your organs aren't good enough for somebody else. Yeah. I, guess I, I read a on, lot about this stuff. I would assume, research. too, if somebody's on a transplant list, just about anything's better than what they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to me, if part of me lives on, that's amazing. I I have seen so many videos of like mothers and children yeah. who their parent or their child has given their heart to somebody, and they just go and they just put their head up against their chest, yeah. and just hearing the heartbeat of that family member again brings them yeah. some peace. Yeah, my favorite one and, is just wedding. And I guess the sister invited the they lost their like five year old son or something like that, and they invited the, the recipient the recipient to be at the wedding. Aww. And 
that's I mean to me that's an amazing gift that you could give somebody and a perfect stranger. Just yeah. give anyone you know? the gift of life is yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm an organ donor and take what you need because I won't need it. Yeah, you know this is just a shell. Take what you need and sell the rest. I don't. Yeah, care. like <laughs> now a lot. I'm almost a hundred percent down for just donate me to science. Yeah, you know the only thing there is that I know my family would want something. You know what I mean? Well, you won't let us burn you. You so. can't burn me. You she has no problem with her organs going everywhere. Just don't catch Just me on don't, fire. Don't burn the, the, the rest of the body on fire. Then that would be another thing with science. Um, what are they going to do with my cadaver? Because a lot of times after they're done with them, they do cremate them. I do know uh, there was a guy that worked at the post office briefly that worked in organ transplants. Uh, or, or sorry, organ, organ transport. He would take the organs from the factory the farm the <laughs> I, I don't one know. hospital to another from one hospital to another he would transport them and he, he gave me some insight into what they do with the body after they've pretty much harvested everything out of it and they're able to still have like open casket mm-hmm. funerals and and everything yeah. like that well i mean most and of the organs on, the, the, wiser. on yeah. the eyes if i mean if i because you're talking. If you donate my eyes, you, they put they yeah. fill it up with cotton balls and sew them shut. Do with Eli, yeah. yeah, pack it and then. And and he said that most of them are just like the head with like PVC body and things like that because mm-hmm. the skin's all donated. I mean everything. Yeah, like the joints, the sinews, the tendons, the if my it's all usable. If my earthly shell, yeah, can. Allow somebody else to experience life longer. I don't need it anymore because my soul has already moved on. So take what you need. That's how I've always viewed it. It's just I don't need it. So you you do with you do with my body what you need. Don't burn me. I will haunt your ass forever. But yeah, you need a kidney. You need a toe. You what? You need an yeah. arm. Whatever. Uh. Yeah, that's how I view it. Yeah. Now, with some of these, I mean, people find in this newfound exuberance for life. I mean, I think that just kind of comes with like getting a new heart or a new well, that, set of lungs. Like or I said, that they they experience they have a near death experience when they get that new heart. Mm-hmm. And as we've learned from other episodes, everybody who had like it's very common that if you have a near death experience, you start to experience the spiritual world a little more closely. And that's why I think some of these might even just be spirit communications. Oh, that's a good point. Because they've been they've been dead and they've come back. So they're closer to that that veil yeah. than they were before that. So they have that communication and they don't know how to interpret it because they've never experienced it before. They think it's just a dream. Yeah. Yeah. So I think some of that could be it. I think that I mean Changes in the, 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 the what gets to me is the changes in taste, the changes in personality. Yeah, those things to me seem more like that could come from the organ. But like, yeah, the the dreams and the stuff like that—that that to me seems more like a spiritual communication. Yeah, I think so too. But I mean, I I don't know because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist. I don't. I'm. This is just my own personal inta- take on it. Um, it's real enough to these people. That's what they've associated with it. If that makes them, if that if that helps them, yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's their synchronicity, yeah. I'm not going to take that yeah. away from them. Um, 
But yeah, like especially with the heart transplants, every heart transplant, you are going to die and then be brought back. Yeah. Because what they classify as dead is when your heart stops beating. Well, if you are without a heart in your body for any amount of time, yeah. you're technically dead. Yeah. You're clinically dead. So I found some <laughs> popular alternative theories in this research um, to cellular memory. And one of them is the hospital grapevine theory. Okay, now hear me out on this. <laughs> making jelly? No, this states that patients <laughs> may be partially aware while they are under anesthesia. And if doctors and staff were talking to each other about the donor's name, life, quirks, favorite foods, incidents around their death, and so on, the patient might hear it to some degree, then later not be aware of how they know this information. And I'm not entirely sure with this one because doctors and nurses, I'm pretty sure, are not talking about what the donors were like during active organ transplant they surgery. They don't know. And, don't even and, know yeah. and how would they even have that information? They have no idea. Because a lot of the times these organs come from other states and That's other like, cities. Yeah. And the doctors like, don't even know who it came from. Yeah, like... That's why I was like, how is this always coming up in the theories? Now, what's interesting on that is because, all right, when my f- when I had my jet ski accident, yeah, and my foot was cut Sorry. off and reattached. Look at my foot; it tickles. <laughs> I had a dream that they had amputated my foot, that turned into like a waking dream, and I was convinced my foot was gone. And mom was standing at the foot of the bed, grabbing my foot, saying, "No, it's here. Do you feel this?" I didn't feel it. So you had lost all the nerve endings. Like I, well, yeah. I mean, I could still feel my foot, though. I mean, like, but I, I was convinced my foot was gone, and I was having like a panic episode in the hospital. Well, the nurses came in, they changed my IV, they gave me some sedative. I was fine. Um. Well, then the excuse was, well, the guy across the hall had lost his leg in a motorcycle accident, and I must have just heard that while I heard about that while I was sleeping. And I took that on. I never heard or saw the guy across the hall. No. Nobody talked about the guy across the hall until that moment. No, that was just my brain interpreting the events that had ha- the traumatic events that had happened. And I mean, that's and a huge HIPAA violation for a nurse to go into another room and be like, you should know what's going on next door to you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, HIPAA wasn't such a big deal back then. You see the size of the potato he stuck up his ass. <laughs> I do hear some of those stories from some of my um, <laughs> my medical friends, but they don't give me names, so I don't yeah. know who has yeah. the potato up their ass. But we, we should <laughs> ask uh, Annalise if they talk what like kind of stuff they talk about during surgery. Are they actually allowed to just gabble about stuff? Or they is do. It, oh yeah, they listen to it, music and oh they okay. gabble. And I I'll would, be honest, they they will make comments about the patient. Okay, but. Because I was thinking it was maybe more serious where, like, it's kind of quiet and the doctor's saying what they're doing, what they need to do. I mean, that's part of it, but, yeah, but, they're normally almost... I mean, when you're talking hour-long surgeries, they got to do stuff to keep them awake, and so they, right. they're playing music. They're, you yeah. know. they're singing. They're, I, guess, <laughs> I guess when I'm thinking back to your surgeries, like your uh, C-sections, mm-hmm. the nurses were talking with you. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember them like talking back and forth with each they other were. at all. They were. I just remember the one talking to you and me. 
I was listening to the ones <clears throat> I was listening to the doctors and the nurses that were operating on me. Yeah. I was listening to the one talking to me, but I was focusing on them. Cause I'm always waiting for the uh oh or that oops or you know oh, <laughs> that's not what you want to say. Um, can someone open that back up? My watch is still in there. <laughs> but oh, I can't find my wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> but they were playing music both with both our children. They were playing music in there. Oh yeah. I mean, the nurses were cracking jokes with each other. Uh, the doctor was. They were talking about something they were gonna do after work yeah. i mean they okay. were just having a conversation okay. hey, i've heard from a spouse of someone that the, the, the doctor and the nurse have gotten arguments while mm-hmm. they're doing the surgery yeah <laughs> and i'm like that yeah. doesn't sound great to be the patient well i'm still gonna go back on the this grapevine theory is that the donors are anonymous yeah and even if they're not, they're not going to know their favorite foods. That isn't in like any forms yeah. I've ever filled I've never out. Been, I've never been asked that in a pre-surgery uh, no. exam. I just filled mine out yesterday and there was nothing about what kind of foods I like. Or what music you... Yeah. I know. Yeah, now, music. I have been asked in like a small surgery type situation, like, do you have a music preference that you would like to listen to on the radio? I've been asked that a couple of times. But I'm usually just like whatever the surgeon wants to like. Yeah, You're like screamo. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, do you have the sounds of death? <laughs> what? Oh no, death core. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime I've had any kind of small procedures done where you're in an operating room or you're in like a sterile room and stuff like that, and they do, they have the music going, they're operating, they're talking to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have normally like I know the one surgery I've had. Well, my finger. I had the one guy who was ta- just talking to me, trying to carry on a conversation with me to keep me from trying to focus on what was going on. But yeah, mm-hmm. the doctors are just talking back and forth and stuff. So. And if they find oh, something, they'll say it. Like I heard yeah. our doctor say, or my doctor say something about something with my uterus. I won't share, but you know, I, I caught bits and pieces like that. But it wasn't like yeah. They I mean they weren't. They're just having conversations. Okay. But yeah, they weren't talking about the other patients or um another theory that kept coming up was that it was just like, you know, like uh medications can cause personality changes, you know, stuff like that. They can and the anti-rejection medications could cause something like that too, I would think. But uh, I don't know if it's going to do Yeah, it oh, may no, give I, you that I can see it. Yeah, I can see it giving you like a change in taste. I can see it me, you know, like allowing me to eat mushrooms or something. Yeah, when I don't like them, and I can see it affecting your mood, but it's not going to affect your entire personality. Might make you a little easier to crank cranker. Might make it easier for you to get cranky. It makes it easier for me to crank. I don't. don't. (laughs) (laughs) Or like bestow memories or anything. You know that's. I don't think that if I doted my organs and part of me lived on, I don't feel like my soul's trapped in my liver. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? I think yeah. it's it's just kind of a essence of it. It's like the, the etheric skeleton thing. I mean, our memory exists in like, well, according to the theory, our memory exists in kind of a thought form as long as people talk with us and think about us and that's why they, there's that famous quote that you have two death days the day you die and the day people stop talking about you yeah. I mean that's probably not exactly what it says but that's what it conveys yeah, yeah. 
Well, I bet a lot of these people who have transplants wonder about the person they got it from. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. want to so. check in on them, make sure they're treating my heart okay. Well, I'm meaning <laughs> the people who received them. Oh, yeah. Wondering yeah. about who they got them from. Mm-hmm. I know I would be, like, if I got someone's heart, I'd want to know who I I'd got I'd want to thank their yeah. family members yeah. for yeah. allowing me to have it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so... It's such an interesting topic because it can go a lot of ways in the sense of, is it memory in the cells? Is it spiritual communications? Is it both? Is it yeah. like, oh. Is it more just psychological, like collective consciousness stuff? Yeah. It's very interesting. It is. So Chad, yeah. if you come back and you, all you can say on the next podcast is, <laughs> Check out the udders on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Chad just wants milk constantly. <laughs> but he only wants to drink it from a teat. <laughs> you find Chad out on farms at night just You remember that remember that remember that joke I got you with? How do you spell silk? Right? Mm-hmm. And then what do cows drink? Milk. No, they drink water. Ah, oh, see, you got me. <laughs> Baby cows drink milk. I'm sure they dream about milk all the time. Yeah. Little calves. I think we're the only species that drinks milk as adults. Mm-hmm. Random fact of the day. I don't like milk much. I don't My body doesn't like milk. I mean, I mine either. But I don't drink milk just to drink milk. Like If I'm using I milk, do. it's in cereal or I'm like cooking with it. <laughs> I'll drink milk if I'm having heartburn. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually And usually it's chocolate milk. milk. <laughs> yeah. I'll drink chocolate. I don't like white milk. And I really, really, really do not like anything other than skim milk. See, I like whole milk. Ugh. Yeah, I do too. Ugh. But yeah, it's mainly for... if I, It's either in cereal, cooking, and cereal's not very common, but cooking. And then if I'm having heartburn, it's normally what I drink yeah, bed, go to bed if I'm having heartburn. Yeah, skim milk to me just seems like white water. paint water. And see, <laughs> vitamin D milk just tastes like grease. It's too thick. It sticks. Amy to the doesn't si- like the thickness. It sticks yeah. to the side of your glass, and that makes me gag. Like, ugh. <laughs> There's half and half. Like chocolate milk is very thick. Like when you get chocolate milk, mm-hmm. a lot of weightlifters use that because of yep. the the. Carradine? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yep. I normally when I was working out a lot, I would drink like a pint of mm-hmm. chocolate milk afterwards instead of like a protein. Like I'd have my you know workout. I might have a protein shake, but most of the time I would drink like a chocolate milk afterwards. Well, see, I learned about the chocolate milk with heartburn when I was pregnant with our son because I had heartburn like crazy with him, and I couldn't take anything for it other than Tums, which wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And I tried all like the. Apple cider vinegars. That just makes it worse. Yeah, then I just had stinky heartburn. And what, what? Why would vinegar make heartburn better? Oh. It's adding an acid to an acid. Yeah, so. I have no idea. And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, you know, if you eat a hot pepper and you drink milk, it calms it down because it yeah. dilutes you the have acid. A ba- you have a base yeah. compared to an acid. And so. so I thought, well, let me try milk because... No P- if, zero uh, pH to a like against a nine pH is going to balance it out. To, yeah, and it was like the first yeah. relief I'd had in like two months, and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing." I remember, yeah, we used to because the 
wives' tale is that if you have a lot of heartburn when you're pregnant, your baby's going to be born with a lot of hair. I remember but, saying that that kid better come out with a full beard. Yeah, but he did, and he no. was like bald. He was like one. Yeah, <laughs> bald baby. He went at his first Halloween, wasn't it? He was boss baby. Yeah, we put him as boss baby because he had no hair, so we just put him in a little tuxedo. Yeah, yeah. he had just a little tuft of hair like the like the boss baby does. <laughs> Yeah, he was, was he was cute. almost two before he had hair, and then all of a sudden he had this big old curly mop. Yeah, <laughs> I miss the curly mop, but his short hair that he has now is so much easier to take care of. Yeah, than the mop. I miss when he didn't fight back. I miss that too. I miss when I can <laughs> contain him. I miss containment time. I did see one of those <laughs> those TikToks, and it was. Uh, the difference between your two children and the little girl, she has a sparkler and she's kind of just going around in circles, being real quiet and content. And then in the background, the boy's running. He's like, somebody gave me fire. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, man, those are those are our kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not allowed to have sparklers. That's right. He's way too feral for that. <laughs> I love his wildness. What was it? Two songs that ex- or describe our children, and it's Oh Sweet Child of Mine and Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. When he gets a little older, maybe he'll be on the podcast one day. <laughs> but yeah. I, he can't be any more chaotic than we are, that's for sure. This is a really interesting topic, and it's been yeah. on our list for a long time since the the um, past lives episode, which was oh yeah the very first year yeah. that we did this. It's been on there for a while. We just never have done it, and it was like let's go ahead and do that one. And it just timing worked out well because Chad's getting his his cow Surgery. tendons, so <laughs> I thought it fit. Yeah, Speaking, I'm excited, nervous. It's my first major surgery, so yeah. Well, we'll summon a bunch of green mushroom energy for a quick recovery. So what, we've got two more episodes to record before your surgery. One. Or one more to record before your surgery. The, well, li- the, the listeners will have two episodes to listen to before your surgery. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to check out all the podcast shows on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. We have Faith Blind Council, Lexa Colt, Ad Hoc History, Administrism, Smuts Up, XV Planus, Primordia, and grognostics. Um, and also, don't forget to check out Parabox Monthly and use the link in the description of this show to go to the website and use promo code paranormalcy at checkout to get 10% off your order. And it is spooky season. We need to plan our Halloween costumes for our live Halloween event this year. Yep, it's spooky season because there's only two seasons. Spooky season and horny season. There's spooky season and, and football season. almost spooky season. It's football season and football. Or there's football season and spooky no, season. No, so football and spooky season is the same season. True. You can't separate. We all those. go together. <laughs> it's spooky season and almost spooky season. Yeah. There's spooky season and planning for spooky season. <laughs> but be sure to use the link in the description for HalloweenCostumes.com and get all your spooky season necessities. And like I said, use the link in the description so that we get credit for it. If you just go there. We don't get the credit. But if you use the link, we get the credit. And I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, keep digging. 
Unearth and Perry Normsey is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just listened to, visit our catalog at tgmpodcastnetwork.com.